Blog Talk Radio. Joining us on Three Women, Three Ways, we're the show that tackles some uh, pretty difficult topics sometimes, sometimes some just really informative topics, and sometimes topics that really help everyone. And I'm kind of thinking that today might be a combination of all three. I'm Heather Stark, your host, and with us we have Crystal Park. Dr. Park is a professor of clinical psychology at the University of Connecticut, and her research focuses on religious beliefs and religious coping. And that's kind of an interesting topic to me, I think, that connection between um, spirituality and trauma and coping and all that kind of stuff. Joining us also is her co-author, Dr. Joseph M. Courier, and he is assistant professor and director of clinical training in the Combined Clinical and Counseling Psychology Doctoral Program at the University of South Alabama. I was just in Alabama a couple months ago. Uh, Joseph, is it all right if I call you both Crystal and Joseph? Yes, sure. Great. Absolutely. Joseph, you're there. Okay, great. Um, you don't uh, you just jump right in. You don't have to be polite here on on the radio. We kind of just j- jump in, um, and uh, okay, <laughs> okay, um, and don't worry about uh, talking over the top of someone. When we can't see anybody, when we can't see that they're going to talk, uh, we just automatically begin to talk over them, and it just kind of so- sorts out, you know, as we go along. So, uh, unfortunately, that's just kind of the nature of of doing radio. So, don't worry about it, and. Uh, We'll just kind of muddle through, and the important thing is that we get the information out there. So you guys have a book. What is your book that's out? Crystal? Uh, Well, it's a book that uh, is really targeted to clinicians and educated um, lay readers on the intersection of spirituality, trauma, and meaning. Ah, okay. How do you interpret each of those three. I guess we can understand what trauma is, but spirituality and trauma and meaning. Um what do you, what what mm-hmm. how are you defining meaning in this context? Mm-hmm. Joseph? Oh, that's a that's a so we have a model um but essentially uh, meaning so is really There are just... a lot of to define meaning. We rely okay. primarily on uh, work that Crystal has done in this area. So she's been really important in providing a definition and a model that, that really integrates some of the diverse understandings out there of meaning. Um, so like we can think about meaning in terms of global meaning, which would be kind of our schema or the way that we see the world. And we tend to think about global meaning in terms of beliefs, values, and ideas about the future or where we hope our life is going in terms of future goals. And then there's also situational meaning, which, you know, as we're going through our day-to-day lives, we're constantly needing to make sense of the constant flow of events. And with trauma, sometimes the situational meaning can challenge global meaning. And that's kind of what the book is about, is the role of religion and spirituality in providing resources and then sometimes hindering the ability to reconcile situational and global meaning. 
That's interesting. Let's talk more about that down the road. Um, right now, Crystal, I want to ask you, why did you come up with this? What What is it in your studies or in your life or in your research that led you to believe that, that this was something that needed to be explored more uh, thoroughly, especially for professionals? Well, I've been studying the psych of religion for the psychology of religion for many years, um, and also looking at it in the context of, of trauma and major illness, and 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 some of the big uh, problems that people face, and how they how they their their spiritual lives kind of can be affected by those things, and how they can inform how people you know deal with those things. Um, and in trauma, in particular, is uh, an issue that. It's receiving a lot of attention these days, and you know, like you said, everybody's heard of PTSD, um, and we kind of have uh, a fair amount of buzz about spirituality in our culture. But people have not really brought those two concepts together, and um, some people um, think about trauma as as more than anything a, a violation of a person's spiritual life and a violation of of trust and of of connection of um uh you know ultimate um security and um so it it's a real it seems like a natural fit but something that um you know professional psychology has just been kind of reluctant to to look into the religious or spiritual um domain when it comes to things clinical so we we thought this was a great opportunity to sort of bring these these issues to bear and to um, hopefully help a lot of people by by making this more uh, of a discussed topic in the profession. Okay. Um, Joseph, I'm going to ask you, when we were talking off air just now, you said that your book obviously is aimed at professionals or, or highly educated uh, lay people, um, but you said it's not a particular study. It's based on several of your studies as well as, as research that other people have done. Can you explain what you drew from to get the contents for this book? No, so absolutely. So as you know, Crystal highlighted, um, all of the authors of the book, uh, myself, Crystal Park, Irene Harris, and Jean Slatterly, were all actively engaged in research and scholarship on different topics related to the psychology of religion and spirituality. Uh, we all have varying levels of involvement in clinical practice, so we're not just generating science. We're also trying to you know, apply the science to uh, our work with clients, dealing with different types of problems. Um, so with that, I think all of us are sort of just swimming in, in the literature on um, religion and spirituality, trauma, mental health, so this book um, drew a lot on research that we have done over the years, uh, but we also, you know, really tried to provide a good overview of important work that other people have done in this area and, and try to bring the current research findings together and present the information in a way so maybe people who aren't that interested in research or who don't have expertise in this area that they can make use of the information to help people who are dealing with issues of trauma and possibly struggling with their faith in some way. Okay. So when I hear of trauma, I, I, when I talk about trauma with people, whatever the trauma is, um, I often find, and this is not research-based, this is just my anecdotal information here, 
So people who tend to have a religious background will talk about it and frame it in religious terms or a religious framework. People who don't have that tend to not even think about that. And then there's a third group that talks about spirituality, but they're not talking about it as if it's religion. They're talking about it as if it's something different. I'm confused. What's the difference between religion and spirituality? And is that difference, does that make any difference in what you found in dealing with trauma? Crystal, do you want to answer that one? or? Yeah, I, I, I know it's that you said you're confused. I think that's pretty much the the state of the field. Um, there there is actually no well accepted definition of spirituality or uh, accepted um, distinction between religion and spirituality. That these are these are both constructs that um, are they're related, um, but not in all people. And um, what the distinctions are, people really. Um, have a lot of debates in the literature about what those are, which makes it a challenge to talk about or study. Um, but uh, so, so being being confused is is uh, certainly understandable. Um, I, in the book, we we uh, look at literature that has studied specifically uh, religion as sort of more in the institutional or or um, uh, established kind of. Um, uh, practices and beliefs, but also um, a lot of the research is more general and, and looks at spirituality as more about people's own inner sense of transcendence or ultimate meaning. Um, sometimes that's related to religion. Sometimes it's not, you know, linked in people's minds at all. Uh, and so we were really trying to um, kind of bridge that because a lot of a lot of people's spirituality still is in some ways connected to religion but not always so I always think of spirituality as religion for the people who eat a lot of kale alright there is that side of it and there is you know there's just there are a lot of people who are no longer um affiliated with with a religion i mean that's sort of a rising trend and they call them quote unquote the religious nuns because they don't have that affiliation but they they often do believe in god or, and do have an active spiritual life it's just they don't have a close um connection with a specific affiliation so people come in all different you know stripes when it comes to religion and spirituality and how those two things are are put together in their own lives um so we we tried to um in in our review of the literatures and in in kind of putting things together for clinicians tried to sort of bridge those gaps as best we could it's, it it is very challenging so you are absolutely right about that okay so we have spirituality which might be religion or might not be religion yeah. um and then we have the trauma um, I know some people, and I, I'm, I must confess I'm not a particularly religious person, but some of the people I know who are seem to be able to really weather things. I, I'm thinking of one friend whose child committed suicide, and, and you know, having experienced suicide in my own family, I can kind of relate to how that must feel. Um, and yet her religion, uh, it, it, I'm just gobsmacked by how it, is help, it, it has helped her deal with that situation. So I look at people with religion, and I think, wow, 
you know, how wonderful that must be for you to have that in your life. But mm-hmm. is it really that wonderful, or is it just some sort of Band-Aid on things? I, how, tell me if I'm right or wrong. Joseph, you want to jump well, in Well, I think that's where the meaning... Well, okay. there's I think a, that's there's where a the meaning... Just, yeah. Go ahead, Joseph. No, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, you know, there's a long history within psychology or the mental health disciplines, you know, to to look at religion as some sort of a defense or as some sign of pathology or mental illness. And we've had a lot of research over the last three or four decades to really turn that idea on its head. Um, does that mean that religion is always healthy? or is always helpful in the context of trauma? Absolutely not. Um, but you know, having um, an internalized you know, religious faith and you know, being able to you know, incorporate and practice you know, all of the many um, kind of dimensions of that faith system can be very helpful in the context of trauma. You know, so one of the unique things about trauma is it sort of brings people into sort of a thin, a thin space, you know, if you will, you know, between you know, maybe the, the, the temporal and the eternal. And, and oftentimes it can bring about very, very challenging types of existential questions. Um, well, every major world religion, you know, provides some answers to those questions. You know, so, you know, for people that have been, you know, very deeply engaged in a religious tradition, they're going to develop what we might call theodicies, you know, explanations of suffering and death. And there's ideas of what can happen after death. You know, there's also, I mean, some really strong uh, communal aspects to to most religious traditions. So you're not going about it by yourself, you know, per se. And you know, if someone, you know, has really internalized these aspects of life, in some ways they can be very well prepared, you know, to deal with even a tragic uh, experience like losing a, a family member or a loved one to suicide. Um, but that's not always the case. You know, sometimes folks, they may not necessarily have really healthy ideas or, you know, I think one of the things that we talk about in the book, you know, quite a bit is, you know, unfortunately, there is a press within many religious traditions, you know, to, you know, maybe present a little bit too much of a Pollyanna picture of what to anticipate in life. And um, particularly in Western culture, we have certain ideas of justice that if I am a good person and I do all the right things, well, then, you know, I can kind of expect that God is going to kind of protect me from bad things happening. And unfortunately, that's, that's not the way that life works. Um, so if someone has that sort of a overly positive, you know, worldview going into a trauma, well, yeah, in in that case, religion really may be um, part of the problem rather than necessarily part of the solution. Hmm. Crystal is, you know, what we haven't even said the name of the book. Um, for the listeners who are interested in reading your book, please tell us the name of the book, Crystal. Uh, spirituality, meaning, and trauma. Okay, and it's it's in that order. Is that right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, come on, guys. Yeah, translating (laughs) translating research into clinical practice. Okay, we're not very good marketers, are we? 
Yes, I was going to say you oh, did. The no, first thing, no. okay, <laughs> as somebody who's written a book, first thing is remember the name of your book, okay? <laughs> That's it right. will help you. But where you okay, can get Crystal. it, the American Psychological Association is the publisher, so there you go. Okay. We'll find it so, on the uh, is it on Amazon? Uh, yeah. It is. Okay, yeah. I I, well, I yes. had a friend tell me once, she said, you don't exist if you're not on Amazon. So if people are interested in the book, again, right. Crystal, the name of the book, the title of the book is? So go for it. Crystal. Okay, Joseph, title of the book. Oh, Trauma, tr- trauma Meaning and Spirituality, Translating Research into Clinical Practice. Okay, and you can get that on Amazon. So if you're interested in that, um, yeah. and also, you know what, this is just a, a totally wild aside, but I discovered that if you want a book and you're not finding it someplace, if you go to the library, chances are they'll order it for the library. Mm-hmm. I guess that probably depends sure. on your library, but, you know, that that's kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why I'm so shocked by that, but I was just absolutely shocked by that. Anyway, okay, so um, one of the things that we talked about is that this is not a book about a study. What did right. you have to research? How much research did you have to go through? How much of a compilation is this? And before I let you answer that, Crystal, I'm going to give out our phone number. I see we have some people in the chat room. Please just throw out your questions or comments, and I will share them with our guests. If you want to call and be on the air with us, the phone number is 646-378-0430. 646-378-0430. Okay, now, Crystal, tell us a little bit more about uh, the compendium. How, how much information did you gather, sift through, and um, collate, and everything else, all the other adjectives or verbs, I guess? Um, how much of that did you have to go through yeah. to come up with your book? Well, we we are all active researchers, so we're already kind of we're producing some of the scholarship that's out there on these topics, and then mm-hmm. we are certainly you know, familiar with a lot of what's going on out there. But it was a it was a large project over a long period of time for the four authors. Uh as Joe mentioned, there's there's um, two other authors who aren't on the phone um with us today, but uh there um this was a it was a it was a lot of because of the three topics and then trying to bring them together. Now one of the things that's really um nice about the book and the work that we put into it is there's not there's very little that actually brings together spirituality and trauma in the same studies, right? So some people are starting to look at it in the context of military service and veterans and PTSD, but not a lot. So um so that part was a lot of creativity and more of a, you know, conceptual contribution too. Okay, let me interrupt you here because I'm not quite sure I understand what you mean. You said there's not a lot out there. So I would think that there would be. I mean, I don't care what your religion or faith or belief or spirituality, if we're using that term. It seems to me that whenever there's a crisis, one of the first things that people do is to find out if you have a clergy person that they could call or, you know, uh, it, it, it's, is that just on television or something? I mean, it, it, it seems to me that we talk about you know, okay, somebody experiences a trauma, a child yeah. is hurt, or a death occurs, and, and somebody's always saying, well, can I call your minister, can I call your church, can I call your, um, you know, but you're saying that that's not really the case? Sure. Huh. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Well, 
I'm fooled by Hollywood once so again. One of, one, of, one, of the, <laughs> one of the main well, one of the main reasons for the book is, you know, I, I think there's some truth to what you're saying. I mean, obviously, not everybody who experiences a trauma is going to have the first impulse to reach out to a religious leader. That that's that that's not going to be the case. You know, people can seek support, you know, from many different sources. One of the uh, the, the interesting and challenging dynamics right now, like within sort of the overall field of psychology and the people that we're trying to help is, you know, there are far more, you know, people outside the field of psychology, you know, who might have that sort of religious impulse to reach out to clergy or who might, you know, strongly identify with a formal religious group of some sort compared to psychologists and other mental health professionals. So there's some research out there to suggest that, uh, you know, based on, you know, findings from Gallup and other, you know, national, national surveys that maybe four out of five people uh, in the general U.S. population will have a strong identification with the formal religious group. That number goes down to probably closer to two out of five when you start talking about uh, so let me be clear. What you're saying is, is that we've got so, these professionals, you know, I, the I psychologists. Think sometimes in, yeah, so what you're saying is we've got the, the we professionals. We tend to be less religious than the people that we're trying to help. And because you're less religious, your mind just doesn't automatically yes, go toward the, the getting seeking spiritual help for them. Well, it's not so much seeking. The initial question was like, why? Why hasn't this topic been researched very much? Uh Because because you guys, the professionals, didn't think of it. Is that what you're saying? Well, but the the initial question is why hasn't this been studied very often? And I think you know, if if this is you know not necessarily part of you know the worldview of um, you know, many, many psychologists, people who are doing research in mental health fields, you know, it's not necessarily going to be something that we're going to be naturally drawn to study and investigate, uh, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense. Sure. So and that's yet, why if, this book is really right, important, or you know, trying with to the increase population. awareness about the issue. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, Crystal, do you see my question that that if I am a spiritual person but I'm seeking counseling or uh, crisis counseling or anything else, and that person just it just doesn't occur to that person um, that you know the, this spiritual need is there, then that spiritual need is less likely to be met. Is that am I? I mean, I don't want to butcher what you're saying, but that's what I'm hearing. I think that that's. I mean, I think yes, yes. I think that a lot of times. So we're talking about kind of two different literatures, first of all, in terms of the science. One is just how does trauma impact a person's spiritual life? How how much is spirituality embedded in trauma, and how much does does spirituality help or hinder people in their coping with it, and how does trauma inter, 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 influence people's subsequent spirituality? That's one issue. It's just sort of what happens in the world. And the second is, how often does it come up in therapy, um, psychotherapy? Can, do do clinicians know how, or should they know how to help people work through the spiritual dimensions of uh, trauma, or understand how trauma in the past might influence their current 
ways of making meaning of whatever else it is they're dealing with. So those are kind of two different literatures, if you see what I'm saying. One is just sort of understanding the the ways that spirituality and trauma relate, and one is then how does it, how should it, how can it be part of the therapy that trauma uh, uh, clients or people who have trauma in their past um, to deal with in in the context of psychotherapy versus um, feeling constrained and having to either not go there or have to find other outlets for uh, understanding more about their um, the spiritual aspects of whatever it is they they're going through. In the in keeping with what you're saying, I know two kinds of folks. Um, one kind of folk will um, experience trauma and immediately go to their religious leader. The other kind will immediately mm-hmm. go to some sort of private counseling. But it seems to be either or. And I question whether either group is knowledgeable in that other aspect of what they're being asked to to counsel. Does that make sense? Right. I mean, I know that yeah. um, most uh, clergy yeah. people have some sort of training and some sort of psychological approach, but how well is that training how good i it just i'm sure is just a totally individual thing um so you get for example in domestic violence cases you get um you know women overwhelmingly uh will seek their clergy person first they'll go to that clergy person first and if that clergy person hasn't had a lot of training which uh, the studies show that you know there there isn't a lot of training in that area um so you get a person who has a problem seeks out their their clergy person and they can either be helped or hindered because of that so what i'm kind of mm-hmm. hearing you say is it could be the same thing with um a, a secular counselor they could either be helped or hindered when they approach that from a spiritual standpoint that's a question uh, I, I, yeah i think that they the yes absolutely they're helped or hindered and, by their lack of you know their lack of knowledge or willingness to i mean if you if you see a a therapist who who doesn't know how to deal with that or doesn't conceptualize trauma with a spiritual dimension or if you are um you know, uncomfortable with it yourself as a therapist, then there's, you know, it's not going to come up in the therapy, or if it does, it's not going to get dealt with effectively. And one of the things that we do talk about in the book is the issue of training for therapists and how they should work with other um, other helping professionals like pastoral counselors or or, or clergy. Um, but there's just right now there's just it, there's just such a gap in in the comfort in the knowledge that um mm-hmm. that um helping professionals have about this intersection between trauma and spirituality. Okay, your research or your book is based on a number of different studies and a number of different uh research, but you all have also done studies um in this in this arena, yes. am I right? Okay. Can you tell me oh, yeah. uh Yeah, can you tell yes. me what you have Found as far as you know, and and again, we're not peer reviewed here. You don't have to be, you know. Uh, it, it, you you can tell us about how many, how much you found. Um, how about how did your research indicate about how many um, clinical psychologists, for example, actually consider spirituality when they're doing counseling? So neat. I I don't I don't know about what Crystal has been up to lately, but. Um, I, I don't think this is 
you know, something that the two of us have, you know, provided, you know, the most helpful information on, that there's been some other studies that other folks have done um, at other places in the country. Okay. But there seems to be, you know, something, you know, around um, a ratio of one or two out of five um, you know, okay. folks. All right. And within the, the just the whole area of graduate training right now, um, there's some figures to suggest that maybe only one out of ten um, doctoral programs in clinical or counseling psychology has any systematic training in in helping folks, you know, learn how to deal with issues of religion and spirituality in their clinical work. So, if and a that's, person... that means in any con that Go means ahead, in any context. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're thinking like what Joe just said, I mean that's a pretty shockingly small number of uh psychologists who get any training in spirituality and and even of those who do, almost none of it is about um trauma. It's just sort of more general, how does that maybe influence people's, mm-hmm. you know, relationships whatever, but but not in terms of if you have a client who has a a trauma history or is dealing with a current trauma how does spirituality fit in? That's like that just is pretty non-existent. Well, yeah, I mean, the, just general spirituality for general counseling or whatever. It sounds like those are the, the the numbers that we have or that you were able to find. But trauma psychology is a whole separate, specialized thing in its in and of itself. Um, and so, yep. wow, you know, wow, yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. That and I guess that. I, I guess I never really thought about it before, um, but now that you're talking about it, it seems like because of the people that I know, for example, I know some people who are very um, uh, religious, you know, in a traditional religion, and um, you know, uh, practice that. But I know a, a number of people who have um, vague religion, where they're per- perhaps not a member of any kind of organization for it, but they do believe in the tenets of, say, a Christian religion or um, a Muslim religion. Um, but then I know the people who, the, the kale eaters, you know, that believe in something, but they don't know what, you know. But the fact is, and the, the reason I'm saying this, is that I know a lot of people mm-hmm. believe in something or think they believe in something. And mm-hmm. if we're calling right. that yeah, and, and that's Right, and those beliefs, you know, could play a... Go ahead, Jess. Crystal, oh, I'm are you there? sorry. I'm... I, I kind of I, I I lost you guys there for a sec. No, no. Those okay. those beliefs those beliefs are going to you know provide you know a potential means to make sense and make meaning out of a trauma. But then you know this is one of the things we talk about a lot in the book. The trauma has the potential to really violate or undermine those beliefs, which can really create, you know, a, a very painful type of distress in one's spiritual life. And so you asked a question before, kind of what have we been up to in research? And, you know, this is, this is one of the major things that we study in my lab here is, you know, trying to understand different types of spiritual struggles or ways that people can you know, experience distress with respect to faith and, the process of trying to resolve or come to terms with those types of spiritual struggles. So in other words, instead and of just dealing with the trauma, that, you're also you know, dealing I think with psychologists, the... psychologists, mental health professionals. Yeah. 
So but what I was going to say is that, you know, it sounds to me like it's kind of the, the whole purpose of your your book is to kind of explain how there's a layer upon a layer here. Um, so you can't, you know, if you're dealing with a person who mm-hmm. is also experiencing some sort of crisis in their beliefs, as well as the actual trauma, you, you, this is a multidimensional thing. It's not just, okay, we're going to deal with the trauma. And and I've seen lots of courses and I've seen lots of training offered on helping people deal with trauma. But we kind of see that as a one-shot, you know, as a one-layer thing. Um, but then when you're adding this layer of a violation of my core beliefs uh, that have resulted because of that trauma, and what I'm mm-hmm. hearing you say is that not a lot of counselors are equipped to even recognize that, let alone deal with that. Yes, correct. And to go back to what we were talking about before, you know, there might be somebody out there who, you know, who thinks, well, um, psychologists, other mental health professionals, we need to learn how to do what clergy do, or we need to learn how to do what, you know, religious leaders do. And that's not what we're trying to say here. I think one of the things that we talk about in the book, you know, quite a bit is, you know, at minimum, all mental health professionals should have the ability to assess for the role of spirituality, you know, ways that spirituality might be helpful, ways that spirituality might be harmful in the lives of the clients that we're working with, and then to be able to conceptualize how spirituality might intersect with the presenting problems that a trauma survivor might be bringing to therapy. There will be a subset of folks who then choose to gain specialized training you know, to you know, be able to you know, possibly incorporate spiritual interventions in therapy or counseling um, and, you know, and do some more advanced things. But this is only going to be a small subset. I mean, the reality is, you know, psychologists, mental health professionals, we need to learn how to do a lot of different things. And people can specialize in all sorts of different areas. So in these cases, I think one of the core competencies that we need to have is we need to have the ability to know how to collaborate with clergy and religious leaders, you know, to refer okay, I'm going to repeat people that because who, you're li- you know, might supersede your, your our skill set, work I'm, with clergy. Yeah. Okay, there seems to be a delay. I'm sorry about that, folks. Um, I'm going to repeat that because I, I think your line went funny. That's okay. So what you're saying is, is that you want um, um, the, that the purpose of the book is to point this out as an issue, but also to um, offer the suggestion that there could potentially be specialized training for a subset of professionals who want to deal not only with trauma on a psychology level, but also then with the um, assault or effects of spiritual beliefs that go in tandem with that? And that, and that are you advocating for this subset specialty? Um, I'm, I'm advocating for the people that want to choose this sure. specialized training, but for people that don't, there's then an ethical responsibility to be able to collaborate with people that do have those skills. And this is a some this is something that many religious leaders and ministry professionals do have training in. So really, what we're talking about here is being able to collaborate with people that might be affiliated with religious organizations or, you know, other faith traditions. 
this is a, a question that's in the chat room, and this might be a good place to introduce this. How is a person who is seeking counseling, how can they determine whether or not they are going to be um, uh, getting, uh, finding a counselor or a therapist who is sensitive to their spirituality needs? I don't know if you can answer that. Can you answer that? Somebody, Crystal? Well, I would encourage. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I can try to answer that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's let Crystal answer. It's that, a. Please, it's a okay. Uh, so the the thing is, you can um, talk about this with someone who you know. You can kind of interview a mental health professional before you make a decision that that's going to be the person that you see, and you can talk about. Um, that 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 may be something that you do or don't want to go into and and um kind of have a dialogue about that so you know on a one on one basis but in terms of is there a a way to identify people in advance who are um you know likely to um, to be more open to those kinds of things i think that's re- that's really touchy and and you know it's a it's a bit problematic um I think for consumers who are looking for um, a therapist who's open to those things, I don't know of any listing or systematic way to find that. Joe, Joe do you know? Joseph, are you with um, us? You know, so oftentimes, like different religious traditions. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Uh-huh. Can you hear me? Yes, please go ahead. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, many Joseph, different religious traditions or religious organizations will will Yeah, I can hear I hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, please go ahead. Uh-huh. Hello. Okay, Crystal, are you still okay. there? Are we having uh, many different faith organizations will have Okay, I'm not sure what the problem is with Joseph's line here. Crystal, are you with us? Yes, yes, I am. Okay. Are you guys using speaker phone? Mm, you hear yes. Me? No, please take take the take it off the speaker and just use the handset, and I think that will help eliminate these problems. Okay. So please just use your regular telephone, take it off speaker, and I think we will have just eliminated some of our problems here. Okay. Okay, Crystal, are you with us? Yes. Okay. All right. Great. And Joseph, are you with us? Okay. Yes. Crystal, I, I, I have not been on speaker this whole time, though. I don't know what okay, the problem is. Okay. Well, I'm is. not sure what's going on with the phone, so I apologize. But we're getting quite a delay there. So um, let's go back. You know, the the original question was uh, how to find somebody who will help with not only the trauma but the the spirituality issues as well. And Joseph, I heard you say <laughs> that um, that actually some spiritual leaders are well trained in this kind of thing, and that there needs to be a collaboration. From a consumer standpoint, Crystal, how does one find out or even inquire um, about that? Because I would think that if you're going through trauma or you're trying to deal with trauma, you don't want to have to go to three or four different people. You would like to find one person that could help you with it all, I would think. Am I right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I presume so. 
the thing is, like like Joe said, uh, so many people, so many therapists do not have any training, um, and they, you know, they're they they may be willing to, you know, try to fly by the seat of their pants and 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 you know work with people with those kinds of of issues. I think too, one of the, I mean, one of the things that we we talk about in the book is that. For almost everybody, trauma is a spiritual issue, and that that you know therapists really need this kind of training. But um, mm-hmm. but but I I don't I really don't know of any unless somebody in their advertisement on Psychology Today lists that you know they're open to spiritual issues, and I doubt that very many of them do. Um, I really don't know how you would you know find out in advance that those are people. Who I mean, maybe you could get a referral from your clergy person if you have a good, you know, a comfortable relationship with that. Yeah. That's, you okay. Know, one thought. Well, Not everybody. Okay. I, um. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, Joseph. If, if I could just interject, is... you know, can you hear me? Yes. Go. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so I would I would encourage this person to to not just pay attention to you know whether uh, the 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 therapist has formalized interests or uh, they come out and say that they have training to deal with spirituality I, I would pay attention to the credentials of the therapist you know do they have a license in the the state where they are working. Uh, and then what I would suggest is, you know, potentially scheduling a first session and right from the start just being very honest about the type of therapist that you're hoping to find, you know, and that you're going to be someone that really hopes um, that they don't have to leave their faith or spirituality at the door, that this can be part of the therapeutic conversations, and that you might be someone, you know, who wants your therapist to, to tailor the interventions, you know, with an appreciation for the role of faith in your life. Mm-hmm. I will be hard-pressed to imagine that the majority of therapists, you know, if they're really, yeah, that they yeah, should, it, um, that they will, they will be re- receptive to that. Yeah. Uh, well, I would, I would hope so. I think that um, it seems to me um, that it wouldn't be difficult to be right up front with, you know, I mean, we all, if we go to a therapist, we usually do a little research, make sure that that's a person that we could work with and that would be helpful or has the expertise to help us. It would seem to me that it would be easy enough to ask about the, the spirituality question. I think the more difficult question would be what kind of spirituality. Um, uh, Crystal, do you have any thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, people, without, without good training um, in knowing what to do with spirituality, a therapist is going to, you know, base it on their, own, on their own background, on their intuition, on their, you know, guesswork. Um, I mean, it's not something that's impossible to work out with somebody, but, it, you know, at least the therapist should be willing to, you know, do some reading on, like Joe was talking about spiritual struggle. That is something that uh, I think a lot of therapists are like deer in the headlights when somebody brings up issues of spiritual. They don't, you know, really know what to do with that. And it's not a concept they may even be familiar with. So um, I think it really is, you know, difficult for people to find um, therapists who are going to be comfortable really engaging in those processes. And 
you know, what we're talking about is people who go to see a therapist may not even feel comfortable talking about those things because they don't expect that it, it's something their therapist wants to hear about or they don't even really, you know, formulate that aspect for themselves. And um, if they're not assessed or invited to, to bring those things up, they may not. Okay. One of the things um, that your book, um, at least in a review that I, to be honest with you, I haven't read the whole book. I have read a, a section of it. Um, one of the um, uh, one of the, the reviews that I read of the book said that um, you talk about um, solutions to the challenges of of, of recognizing and understanding the role of religiousness and spirituality in trauma. Um, what are some of the solutions that you recommend? Um, Joseph suggested some specialized training for that subset of, of counselors, but were there other suggest, suggested solutions that you came up with in your book, Crystal? Well, we have a we have a chapter on um, assessment. So, and we actually provide the a bunch of the uh, potentially useful measurement tools and also the kinds of questions. Um, we have a chapter on conceptualization. So, we you know the the first part of the book is more um, uh, theoretical and conceptual to help people understand. Like Joe is talking about the. The, the different levels of meaning and and uh, how people, um, you know, kind of have their worldview and then their view of specific situations they encounter. So, so that kind of, and then and then kind of using that for assessment and case conceptualization, um, and and then we have a number of chapters on different phases of the treatment. And um, so, I think that um, it provides um, a lot of. Uh, approaches. We talk about some of the explicitly um, spiritually based therapies that have been developed, and then some that are more implicit, like meditation, um, and provide more references and resources for therapists who um, look into those. So, okay. Uh, yes. You... So I think there's a lot of ideas in there. In there. Okay. One of the terms uh, that you used in the book um, kind of um, interested me. You call it the reciprocal meaning-making model. And I'm, I'm thinking that, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, in order to deal with trauma, people have to make sense of it. That's how, how we deal with it. And until we can figure out how we are going to make sense of it, um, we struggle with it. So when you talk about your reciprocal meaning-making model, what does that mean from the standpoint of spirituality and the trauma? Joseph, do you want to answer that, or are we still um, having problems with your line? Or Crystal, go ahead, Crystal, because your yeah, line is better. I can, I can, sorry, yeah, Joseph. absolutely. Yeah, so there's – Okay. well, well can, you, can you – there's a, yeah, there's a so dynamic Joseph, interplay ahead, uh -huh. between – trauma and spirituality you know so as as you shared we when faced with a trauma you know be, because of just the fact that you know that we're human beings we have uh, a drive to to make meaning to make sense uh, that we are going to you know find ourselves in this sort of meaning making process um, but what ends up happening in trauma is you know the the beliefs and the values that shape 
um, our our meaning making ability that the trauma has the potential to change those and and violate those you know which then is going to you know kind of feed into this kind of self reinforcing process so what we mean by reciprocal is that there is a dynamic interplay um, between trauma and spirituality that we don't often talk about you know so in the same way that yes spirituality can have a wonderful um, impact on the way that people cope, um, but at the same time, trauma can really change or affect people's spiritual life, which will then have uh, potentially negative consequences on the way that they're able to cope and adapt. Um, so there's a real back and forth between the two. Yeah, earlier in our interview, Joseph, you had said that there's, there's if the life event conflicts with the person's spiritual, the expectations because of their spiritual beliefs, uh, I've known people who just kind of reject their entire uh, religious background and just say no, no, the, you know, the, this this religious uh, background, this religious training can't be real, it can't be true, and they just completely reject it based on their experience, uh, the traumatic experience that they've had. I've known others who fervently get comfort from their religious beliefs when something bad happens. Is there any... Uh, how how can you tell which is going to do what? And is a therapist going to help with that? Is a therapist's job to help them retain their beliefs, or it doesn't matter? Or you know, I I I know I'm asking a really vague question here, but it's a confusing issue for me. Can one of you help me understand that a little better? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Absolutely. So you know, a therapist, you know, ultimately will need to follow a client's lead, okay? And that, um, you know, in, in engaging in therapy, particularly after trauma, one of the things that can happen is that uh, a client's spiritual beliefs may change and evolve over the course of treatment that could lead them to, you know, distance or disengage from maybe a, a faith tradition of their upbringing. Uh, and that's something that therapists need to shoot straight with their clients about, you know, from the start, um, you know, at the same time, you know, it's not a therapist's job to keep um, their client in a particular type of, you know, faith tradition, you know, or to try to prevent those changes from happening. One of the things that we do know from research is that um, sort of this trajectory towards spiritual disengagement where, you know, someone finds themselves in this, um, this crisis of meaning, they're struggling with their faith. Well, one potential way of resolving it is to just say, okay, I'm going to leave it all behind and, you know, I'm going to, you know, develop a, a totally new sort of meaning system. One of the things that we know from research is that, unfortunately, this trajectory, it may work for some people, but it does tend to be more associated with, uh, like, longer-term issues of mental health difficulties. Uh, so I think that that's something that therapists can be honest, you know, with clients about to say, hey, you do have this option, but what, what, what we know from research is that, you know, people who walk this path, that sometimes they can have more difficulties over time rather than trying to do that hard work now to resolve, you know, the spiritual struggle in more of an adaptive way. That may mean that they distance from faith, um, but it's, it's, it's not going to be because they were trying to avoid or not deal with the potential spiritual distress or pain that's often at the heart of trauma. 
Yeah. I think one of the things that I've gotten from our conversation this morning is that um, I, I guess I just didn't think about it before, but it must be extremely difficult for a person of faith to have to deal not only with the trauma that everyone has to deal with when something bad happens, but to then also reconcile that within their set of beliefs, if they hold those beliefs dearly. Um, it, it, that must be an extreme challenge for a lot of people. Um, I guess I just never thought of it before, um, but I'm really, I, I'm really feeling, you know, a, a sense of, I don't know if it's empathy, but I'm feeling something um, about those folks who have those firm religious beliefs. I, in the past, I've always felt a little envious of people who have firm religious beliefs because some of the people that I know seem to get draw such comfort uh, from them. And yeah. since I don't, since I don't have them, I've always kind of thought, well, isn't that nice? I wish I could. I wish I. I wish I believed that, you know. But now I'm kind of developing the sense of, wow, that must be also a big challenge. Crystal, do you do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think that it it really depends on what those beliefs are, and they can they can be very helpful and comforting for people, um, but but when when you do understand an event as as discrepant or in violation of those beliefs, then it can be extra challenging. So sometimes I think those religious beliefs um, make it easier for people to handle. Uh, to trauma, and sometimes I think it makes it harder. And what you had asked earlier is when does when does which of those two uh, conditions apply? And I think it's a beautiful question, and I don't think that we have really solid answers to that. Um, but a lot of it does depend on the you know the, the very specific ways that people understanding where where God is in their lives, and um, you know. Uh, how, how, Joe mentioned earlier theodicies, so, you know, God's role in suffering. If you really feel that that God brought about this situation um, and, and caused the trauma or let it happen to you and didn't protect you versus, you know, if you have a view that God really suffers with us but is not is not the cause of suffering. So I, I think it's a very complicated issue and people – um, have very different beliefs that are going to factor in when when looking at the impact of that. Yeah, it must uh, it must be extremely complicated. And I appreciate the fact that you've brought this research together and pointed this out because I I think that it must be um, a, a real um, issue to think about for people who are seeking counseling and seeking uh, uh, assistance in dealing with traumas in their lives. Um, so, and I, and I haven't, you know, I mean, I do a little bit of research and a little bit of reading in the psychology area, but I, I haven't seen a lot of conversation about this. So I think that your research and your con compilation and your book um, will probably serve a, a, a good purpose here. As a matter of fact, I think it was in the um, uh, Monitor on Psychology, the professional journal, where they described the book as... Um, uh, filling an important gap um, that would appeal to not only uh, practitioners but also researchers to learn more about this, and uh, and of course ultimately that means that it's it will make an impact on patient and patient care and counseling and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think that you've done a, a great job here. Did I fail to ask you a particular question that you think it's important to ask, Crystal? Uh, no, I, I think we, we covered it pretty well, and I just I, I, I think that 
Um, your summary there was very nice, and I do hope that 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 our our book and these efforts, you know, sort of create more of a dialogue. And I and so to that end, I think we were already successful by uh, being able to do that with you today and talk through some of these issues. Great. I would like to point out to the listeners and to both you, Joseph and Crystal, that uh, as soon as the show is over, it'll take a few minutes, and then the show will be archived, and you can always go back to the web page, and you can scroll down and into that archive, and you can re-listen to the program anytime you want, as well as go through the archive and listen to any other shows that you may have missed. Coming up next week, we are going to have um, Everett Worthington, who's done a lot of work on forgiveness. I think it's going to be an interesting conversation because he is advocating the benefit of forgiveness, and I'm an old crank who doesn't believe in forgiveness. <laughs> so I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. <laughs> I don't I don't believe in in not letting go. I just don't believe in forgiveness unless you really want to forgive. Um, I, I think that um, we use forgiveness as a way of just giving people a pass for bad behavior. So see what a crank I am? See how, see how lucky you are that the cranky Heather didn't interview you You, you, you may <laughs> learn some things next week. <laughs> so, uh, so that's good. We also have future shows coming up, and I may as well share those as well. Um, we have uh, a show on emotional abuse coming up the first weekend in March. We also have power and control a show and cyber stalking and harassment. So that's all coming forward uh, in the coming weeks, and we hope that you join us again. Feel free to go back to the website, scroll down. That website is www.talkradio.com and forward slash three women, three ways. That takes you to the page. That's uh, where you can listen to any time. And uh, scroll down through that uh, archive list. You can listen to any of these shows, including this one. And uh, also, Crystal and Joseph, you're welcome to use that website as a link anywhere that you choose. And it is now public information. It's out there for anyone to use. So, again, because... Our authors were a little iffy on the the title of their book. <laughs> I I want to uh, um, reissue. Uh, uh, well, now here I'm going. Here we go. Okay, um, it is published by the APA, the American Psychological Association, and the title of the book is Trauma, Meaning, and Spirituality: Translating Research into Clinical Practice. And although it's meant specifically for healthcare practitioners and mental health practitioners, it is. So I think an interesting volume for those of us who have interests in this area. So don't be put o- put off uh, just because it's designed for the uh, mental health professional. I think that many of us are perfectly fine reading those books and garnering from them. Joseph, Crystal, thank you so much for doing the research and for writing the book and for being on the show with us. Very quickly, Crystal, what are you working on now? What research are you deal- doing da- now at this point? Uh, well, we, we are continuing with some of the, the meaning-making and, and trying to understand more about specifically belief, the belief, af, you know, the belief part of spirituality as opposed to the practice part. Okay, from the practitioner. And, Joseph, you're helping out with that? Um, okay. Not at this moment. We uh, Most of our research right now is focusing on the role of religious and spiritual struggles in the context of uh, suicide, PTSD, um, other 
common mental health problems in military veterans. Well, that sounds like wonderful research. I can't wait to read some of that. So, again, thank you for being with us. I appreciate your expertise, and I appreciate the fact that you've written this book and taken the time to do so. So thank you very much for joining us on Three Women, Three Ways. Thank you. Bye-bye.